Never, 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 never let the left claim that they use science as the basis for any of their public health decisions. Never again allow them to say this because one day before Biden's first State of the Union address, miraculously, the science informed the left that it was time to rescind mask mandates for members of Congress in the Capitol building. Isn't that the most tremendous, amazing coincidence that you've ever heard that the day that Biden needs the optics of an unmasked State of the Union audience, the science dictates that it's time to unmask members of Congress. I just, I mean, we knew that this virus was intelligent. We knew that this virus was intelligent enough to only infect Trump supporters when they got together at Trump rallies, but intelligent enough not to infect Black Lives Matter rioters when they were congregating in the streets together, all in these these mass groups of people all together. We knew that the virus was intelligent, but man, we didn't know that it was to this extent that it knew, the virus knew to make itself, you know, disappear enough just so that all the members of Congress could be unmasked during Biden's first State of the Union address. I, I mean, literally, I, I know I'm, I'm talking tongue in cheek. I'm mocking, I'm mocking the science. I'm mocking Biden. I'm mocking the congressional attending physician who I'm sure is just a mouthpiece for the Biden administration at this point. But we actually should not just let this go. We shouldn't just laugh about this and then brush it under the rug because look at what happened in Canada. I mean, Biden, by the way, what we're going to see from Biden during the State of the Union address tonight, we are going to see Biden declare an end to COVID-19. We're going to see him remove some of these mandates and declare victory. In fact, you want to know why I'm so confident making this prediction? Because Governor Hochul of New York has announced that on Wednesday, children in New York do not have to wear masks in public schools anymore. And you might be asking yourself, well, she made this announcement on Monday, and she said that children no longer have to wear masks on Wednesday, but why Tuesday? If, if she made this announcement on Monday, why do children have to go to school on Tuesday wearing masks only to remove those masks or be allowed to remove the masks on Wednesday. How, how is that scientific? And the answer to that is it's not scientific. It's political because Biden is going to announce, um, he is probably going to announce that very thing during his State of the Union address. The Democrats have weaponized the idea of quote unquote science because they've compromised these so-called experts. And really it's all just one big political mishmash. You also might have noticed that Dr. Fauci has been mysteriously absent from the airwaves that he was such a fan of the last two years. He used to, every weekend, be on every show that would accept him. And suddenly, where has Dr. Fauci been? You might not have seen one of those viral clips of one of the idiotic things that he said recently because he hasn't said them, because he hasn't been on the shows. Now, why is that? Why suddenly did Dr. Fauci go quiet after being you know, the leader, St. Fauci, Pope Fauci for the last two years. Well, perhaps because Dr. Fauci hasn't changed his mind, his goal of zero COVID, which means restrictions and mandates forever. But the Biden administration politically has decided, well, it's time, it's time to end COVID. And here's the question. Here's the question that I asked myself. I actually expected Biden to continue with COVID through the midterms. And so I thought, well, all signs are pointing to the fact that he's going to end COVID at the State of the Union. Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because Justin Trudeau in Canada exposed the fact that COVID tyranny is in fact COVID tyranny. Now, you and I knew this. We've talked about this quite a bit the last two years, but there's, there's simply no bones about this. This isn't camouflaged anymore from the general American public or even, even the world. This is now obvious 
to anyone with a pair of eyes that governments and government officials, and like I said, Trudeau was the one who really made this obvious, are willing to violate even your most fundamental rights in the name of COVID-19. And that, that is remarkably unpopular. And Biden knows that he, he needs to end this. Biden also is desperate for a win. And when I say desperate, I mean, this should be in all capital letters. He is desperate for a win because what else? If Biden doesn't end COVID in the State of the Union, what else can he say about his first year? What else could he possibly say? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. By the way, tonight for the State of the Union, nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific. By the way, it was more fun for me to follow along with the State of the Union when I lived on the West Coast because it was at least just at 6 p.m. instead of at 9 p.m. Now I have to stay up late to follow along with it. Follow along with it with me, though. We're going to be doing this together on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. So go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals and become a VIP and we can follow the State of the Union together. It will be a tremendously painful and fun time as it always is. And you can get a free month on your annual subscription if you sign up to be a VIP, if you use the promo code SOTU, State of the Union. Well, of course, that was very predictable. Promo code State of the Union for one month free on your annual subscription. Go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals and join me tonight. We will be following the State of the Union together. So Biden has to talk about COVID-19 tonight. He has to, because what else can he say? about his first year in office. What, what else could he possibly say? He's entering this speech. He's coming before the American people um, because that's what the State of the Union is. I know in the Constitution, it's supposed to be the president delivers the actual State of the Union, an analysis of the Union, of our nation to Congress, but that's not actually what the State of the Union anymore is. It is now an address to the American people that presidents use to push their agenda, to brag about their accomplishments and to push their agenda. And it has very wide viewership for this reason. It's, it's very ceremonial. It's, it's traditional. But Biden is walking into this joint session of Congress with an abysmal approval rating, 37% approval rating, which is, is laughable. It, it's actually laughable to believe that it's even that high. But the 37% approval rating is from a poll from the Washington Post. So maybe if anything exaggerated on the side of Biden and the liberals, the Washington Post is not conservative, duh, obviously. So he's walking in and he should be walking in with some embarrassment, some humiliation, at the very least some humility because the people who voted for him are not happy with what he's done. And for good reason. I mean, look at everything that we do. We leave the house in the morning to go to work and drive our car, fill our, fill our gas tanks up and gas is so expensive. It's so expensive just to fill up your tank of gas, thanks to Biden. That's his fault. He's responsible for that. I mean, you go to the grocery store and you buy milk for your family and it's expensive. And Biden's responsible for that. You buy goods for your family that you need, like me, with you buy diapers for your baby and they're really expensive, thanks to Biden. So what is he going to do? Walk out and brag about this? Is he going to brag about inflation? We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, let me talk to you about Moinkbox. You hear that? 
Well, if you could actually see and taste this filet mignon that you are hearing from moinkbox.com, then you would order it right now. But for now, let me tell you about it. It's delicious. And I'm telling you, you've got to get moinkbox.com. So I asked my husband, who is a meat eater, um, what he thinks. And as you know, I've, I've cooked him the salmon. I've We've cooked the steak. He's cooked the sausage. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. This helps family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and moink meat is free of all the antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and other gross junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. Sign up at moinkbox.com slash Liz to get a year of free filet mignon. And then pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. You can always change to get uh, what you want each month and cancel anytime. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash Liz right now. Listeners to the show get free filet mignon for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste for a limited time. It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Liz. That's moinkbox.com slash Liz. So what's Biden going to do? Brag about inflation? No. He can't brag about inflation because everybody's worried about inflation. We talked about this. We talked about this last week when we were talking about modern monetary theory, the reason that so many people in the United States right now are turning to cryptocurrency is because cryptocurrency is an alternative currency. It's not a government-issued currency. The only reason to turn to an alternative currency is if you don't have faith in the government-issued currency, if you don't have faith in the U.S. dollar being issued by the Fed. Why wouldn't you have faith in the U.S. dollar being issued by the Fed at this point in our history? The only reason for that is if the Fed is printing too much money, if they are spending too much money, if our debt and deficit are growing by the day, this irresponsible spending is thanks to Biden. No, I know it didn't start with Biden. I'm not claiming that it did. Obama did it. Trump did it. Bush did it. This is a this is a, a problem that is across the aisle. But Biden is making this worse. And he's surrounding himself with people who buy into modern monetary theory, which says that you should just print as much money as you need. A government should just print the money and not worry about debt or deficit. So what is Biden going to do? Get up there and brag about inflation? Because that's what happens when you print too much money and spend too much money. Inflation happens. Or maybe he's going to go up there and brag about high crime. Because anybody who lives in a city in the United States right now, in any kind of urban center, can feel for themselves the impacts of the radical leftist agenda. And I'm talking the Black Lives Matter agenda, which not only demonizes police officers, but demonizes them to the point where city councils are defunding the police. Remember, this is a hallmark of the Black Lives Matter movement's agenda, is to defund the police. What happens when you defund the police is there aren't as many police officers, there aren't as many police resources, and of course, obviously, the common sense result of that is crime increases. Crime increases and cities become less safe. We also have these progressive prosecutors that are popping up thanks to George Soros and his money all around the country. These progressive prosecutors aren't prosecuting people for crimes they're committing. So if it's only ostensibly against the law to commit a crime, but there's no repercussions, there's no accountability to the law, when you do commit the crime, then why wouldn't you commit the crime? That, of course, is what's happening in the mind of criminals. So this high crime, so what's Biden going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to go up there and brag about the high crime that he's presided over? Because this is this is directly a result of the Democrats' agenda, and Biden has embraced the Democrats' agenda. Or maybe Biden wants to talk about Afghanistan. Maybe he wants to talk about the 13 U.S. service members who died as a result, a direct result of Biden's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Maybe Biden wants to talk about the Taliban, how he surrendered Afghanistan deliberately to terrorists whose goal is to destroy Israel and the United States. 
Maybe that's what Biden wants to talk about. My guess is he won't mention even one word about that because it doesn't matter if you're a Republican, you're Democrat, you're liberal, you're conservative. People are infuriated with how Biden handled Afghanistan and they should be. They should be infuriated. Maybe Biden wants to talk about his Build Back Better plan, his failed Build Back Better plan. That's, that's the biggest embarrassment, just not, not, not in a moral sense, he has bigger failures, but it's the bigger, biggest embarrassment of the Biden administration because this was supposed to be their hallmark policy, build back better. And it failed because it's socialism and the Green New Deal and Medicare for all and wealth tax and social justice all wrapped up into an insane price tag. And in fact, this insane price tag circles back to what we were saying before. Build back better. Remember, we talked about this last week on the show, the Great Reset show that I did, the episode on that. Build back better is actually uh, that phrase, that title came from the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. It's part, it's tied in, it's integrated with the Great Reset. Now, part of the Great Reset, the theory is how this happens is you have to print money and spend money and not worry about debt and deficit. Hence the enormous price tag on Build Back Better. Hence why Congress, thanks in, in part to Joe Manchin, did not pass this. So what's Biden gonna do? Is he gonna come out and is he gonna talk about that? Is he gonna shame Joe Manchin? Is he gonna brag about the fact that the one thing he claimed would be the hallmark of his administration, he's failed to do so far? I don't think so. Or maybe Biden's going to talk about the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Justice and how under the Biden administration, the Department of Justice and the Department of Homeland Security have been weaponized against you and against me, against parents, against, again, this is not even a partisan issue against Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives who don't want critical race theory in their schools, who don't want their children taught that they're racist if their child has white skin or that their child is oppressed if their child has black skin, who go to school board meetings and protest, who, who take over school boards via elections and recall elections, and because of that are designated as domestic terrorists by Biden Department of Justice. Or perhaps, you know, if we're talking about the Department of Homeland Security specifically, the terror advisory that was issued, again, about you and I, because if you dare to question the integrity of the 2020 presidential election, if you say, huh, looks like the Democrats might have electioneered that. Looks like there was some really shady stuff that happened and certainly the vulnerability for a lot more shady stuff. If you say that, or if you question the COVID-19 vaccine, its efficacy, its safety, the public health establishment's narrative that's constantly changing, the lies they've told us to manipulate our behavior, you question any of that, you're labeled by Biden's Department of Homeland Security as a potential terror threat, someone who could incite violence. So maybe Biden's not going to brag about that, even though that's one of the most important things that's happened during his first year. Or maybe Biden's going to go up to that podium, look the American people in the eye and admit that he let teachers unions run the show during COVID, that your child, your little child is still wearing a mask in school. Your three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old is forced to cover their face resulting in developmental delays, social relatability delays, speech delays, an understanding of human nature, delays in their overall, their overall capacity to be functioning adults. That your child is suffering that, not because the science dictated that children are high risk from COVID-19, they're not. Not because the science dictated that children are a significant vector of transmission for COVID-19, they're not. Not because school teachers and administrators are somehow suffering 
worse repercussions from COVID-19 or more frequent infections because of children. They're not. No, no. Children are still masked in school today because Biden is allowing the teachers' unions to dictate policy. Biden has admitted that he talks to teachers' unions. We know that the Biden Department of Justice and the biggest teachers' union in the country colluded to designate parents who are against masks in schools as domestic terrorists. Now, I I doubt Biden's going to go up and he's going to brag about that, but he should be honest with the American people, and he should take ownership for the fact that Anthony Fauci is still essentially in charge of COVID-19 policy in our country. That for a year after Anthony Fauci had been proven a liar, he lied to the American people about masks. He admitted he lied in order to manipulate our behavior. He lied to Congress, to Senator Rand Paul specifically, about whether or not the NIH or the NIAID under the NIH, which Fauci has control of the finances, whether they funded gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Gain-of-function research is dangerous. It juices up viruses to make them more lethal, to make them more transmissible to humans. It's, it's basically bioweapons research. Fauci denied that he funded that, but we know for a fact that he did. He did fund it through EcoHealth Alliance, a subcontractor who then gave that money, your money and my money, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And yet, Fauci is still has his job. Biden still relied on him for policy. I mean, that, that is maybe what I would consider the biggest most significant corruption in the entire Biden administration. Fauci still has his job. He should be fired and prosecuted for what he did. And yet Biden still let him have his job. Or maybe Biden's going to go up there and talk about how he now engages in racial and sexual discrimination because that's that's what he does. Biden has actually brought back institutional racial discrimination to the United States of America, something that it took us decades to eradicate from our legal system from our institutional, and even culturally. Took us decades to eradicate this. And gender discrimination, institutional gender discrimination, Biden has now brought back. How has he brought this back? He brought it back by declaring first that he will appoint, he will nominate to the Supreme Court a black woman because she is black and a woman. Biden has now done this. And he said it again. When he announced this, he announced it. He said, I promised you that I would nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. This, of course, is tokenism. It's choosing this person, not based on their qualifications first, but based on the color of their skin first and based on their gender first. It's so insulting to women. It's so doubly insulting to black women. It is gender discrimination. It is racial discrimination. It requires, in order to choose someone based on an immutable characteristic, it requires you to disqualify someone based on the opposite immutable characteristic. He has brought back racial discrimination and gender discrimination to our country Will he brag about it? I actually don't think that he's going to say much about it besides saying that he fulfilled a promise. He won't say much about it because the Senate senators will be sitting before him during the State of the Union address and he doesn't want, he won't want to feel like he's putting pressure on these senators to confirm, uh, to confirm his nominee. But make no mistake, that is not something to brag about. It's a shame. It's a shameful thing in our country that he's brought back racial and gender discrimination. He's facing, Biden is facing a divided nation. He promised that he would be a president of unity, that he would bring our, our bitterly partisan nation together, and he hasn't done that. We are a divided nation, and Biden has made that 
worse. And now, now we watch. We watch as Russia has invaded Ukraine. There is an actual war going on between Russia and Ukraine. And part of this is Biden's fault. Putin, of course, is a deranged psychopath, a a former KGB agent who believes in the tenets of the Soviet, the socialist Soviet Union. He is an imperialist. And that in and of itself is not Biden's fault. Of course, it's not. But Biden had the power to stop Putin before this invasion started. He had the power to do so, and he refused to do this. Biden himself actively lobbied Democratic senators to filibuster the reimposition of sanctions on Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, why is this important? Because when Trump put these sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, Putin got in line because he wanted to make the money. He wanted the money that would flow to him when he sold his oil to Europe. Trump put those sanctions in place. Biden lobbied against them. It emboldened Putin. It allowed Putin, enabled him to do what he's doing. In fact, what's even worse than that, what's even worse than allowing us to get to this lose-lose situation, because that's what we're in right now. Either it's a, it's a losing proposition to send American troops to fight this war, or it's a losing proposition to watch Russia take over the Ukraine, watch a socialist empire expand itself. We could have avoided this lose-lose had Biden done what he should have done as leader of the free world, used the power of the U.S. presidency to stop Putin. But what's worse is Biden doesn't even admit that that was a failure. He's actually doubling down on this because a couple years ago under the Trump administration, we were an energy independent nation. We were not relying on foreign oil. But as soon as Biden took office a year ago, what did he do? He made us energy dependent. He canceled the pipelines. The Keystone XL pipeline is the primary example here. He canceled it. He canceled leases for drilling. He made us dependent on foreign oil. I mean, he gave up 2 billion barrels of oil a day by canceling these pipelines and federal leases. And when Jen Psaki, Press Secretary Jen Psaki, was asked about this, she gave a very circular answer here. But one thing that she said is very important to listen to because she said, theoretically, that Biden wants to reduce dependence on foreign oil. But listen very carefully to the words that she uses. Take a listen. On oil leases, what this actually justifies in President Biden's view is the fact that we need to reduce our dependence on foreign oil, on oil in general, and need to, and we need to look at other ways of process, of having energy in our country and others. One of the interesting things, George, we've seen over the last week or so is that a number of European countries are recognizing they need to reduce their own reliance on Russian oil. So there's a huge contradiction in Saki's words, huge contradiction that we should not let pass at all. It actually exposes Biden's true agenda when it comes to energy dependence on foreign oil. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about Truebill. Do you know why free trials for subscription services renew automatically without your consent? Well, it's a business scam. If it feels like a business scam out to get you, that's because it basically is. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. There's a solution to this problem. It's called Truebill. Truebill is a new app. It's a cool app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, you don't want, or if you're like me, you signed up for once and then forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. 
And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so that you don't have to. So download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. They've helped over 2 million users and helped save them over $100 million. That's something. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Liz. Go right now, Truebill.com slash Liz. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. Truebill.com slash Liz. Don't fall for scams anymore. Truebill.com slash Liz. So what exactly did Saki actually said? She theoretically said, okay, Biden wants less dependence on foreign oil, but she says the way he's going to do that isn't by drilling or using our oil um, or opening those pipelines that he canceled. She said she wants more dependence on green energy. So what she's talking about, of course, is wind and solar. Wind and solar are not green energy. They require both oil and coal in order to not only build the infrastructure, build those turbines, they requ that requires coal energy to forge that steel. Um, you also require oil if you, have, if you rely on wind and solar because when it's not sunny and it's not windy, well, what are you going to use to power your nation? Oil, that's what you're going to use. And in the case of the Biden administration, they are, they are requiring us to rely on Putin's oil, on Russian oil. This is a travesty. This is, this is not only nonsensical, it's a national security risk for this exact reason. And the Biden administration through Saki is doubling down on this. They're actually okay with this because you can't take a position advocating for green energy, meaning wind and solar, ignoring nuclear energy, by the way, which the Biden administration does. They're not interested in nuclear energy, which is the actual solution to sustainable energy that's a workable solution, unlike wind and solar. But you don't advocate for more green energy, ignore nuclear, and pretend like you won't also be dependent on Russian oil. This is the position of the Biden administration. So what is Biden going to do? Go up there and brag about our dependence on Russian oil? No, what Biden's going to do, Biden is going to pretend to stand with Ukraine. He's going to talk about the importance of defending democracy. Now, when he's talking about defending democracy, he may not say anything about January 6th, but we'll know what he's talking about. He will try his very hardest, whether directly or indirectly with his language, he will try to tie attacks on democracy back to Donald Trump. So he may start with Ukraine, but he'll tie it in to the United States. He'll tie it into his own, Biden's own domestic agenda. He will in some way try to associate Putin to Trump. And then he will talk about his fight. Biden's fight to save our democracy. But we know what this means. Biden's fight to, quote unquote, save our democracy means Biden's election takeover bills. That's what he defines as saving our democracy. That's why they tried to, around the anniversary of January 6th, the Democrats tried to abolish the filibuster in the Senate in order to ram through Biden's election takeover bills. Now, they tried to abolish the filibuster because they knew they'd never get any kind of bipartisan support on this. They tried to put fear into the minds of the American people by saying, this is our response. Let us be your savior. Let us save you from the threats to democracy that we experienced one year ago today when Donald Trump called for a peaceful protest outside the Capitol. Biden will push his election takeover bills because this is the only way that the Democrats can more or less permanently cement their power. There's no other way. Biden has a 37% approval rating. He is unpopular. The way he is governing is actively turning off his voters. And so when the Democrats are promoting and supporting and doubling down on unpopular policies, they have to do something else that will 
continue their power, that will keep them in power in perpetuity. And the way to do that, of course, is Biden's federal takeover of elections. So he will, he will be pushing a federal takeover elections and he will try to tie that into defending democracy and using Ukraine as a starting point, as a jumping point from whence he makes this point. Now, what we should actually be talking about when it comes to Ukraine, which Biden won't, Biden will not talk about that. What we should actually be talking about are the five lessons that we are learning as each day unfolds. The five lessons are as follows. The left, the left, leftist politicians, leftist pundits are supportive of Ukraine's right to self-determination. They are changing their Twitter profile pictures to the Ukrainian flag. They are lionizing Zelensky. They are doubling down on the idea that Ukrainians have a right to defend their own nation. So there's a word for that. It's called nationalism. And the left is very supportive of nationalism when it comes to Ukraine. And the lesson we should learn from this is that Democrats are full of BS because they support nationalism when it comes to Ukraine, but nationalism in the United States, they tell us, is racist. They tell us it's borderline. It's based on white supremacy, that nationalism is xenophobic and evil, and we should reject it. So America first, they tell us, is racist, that we shouldn't consider our national interest over the interest of the rest of the world, that that makes us bad people, yet in Ukraine, they are defending nationalism. That's, that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is they, the left is supportive of Ukraine defending their borders. They say, well, that Ukrainian border is Ukraine's to defend, and that's, that's okay. They're allowed, to, they're allowed to defend themselves if the Russians compromise the Ukrainian border. Contrast that, of course, with the United States border. The United States border, especially our southern border, is completely porous, completely vulnerable, completely compromised. And the, left, the left's policies have actually contributed to that. The left's policies have created a border crisis here in the United States. So lesson number two is the left supports a border when it's a Ukrainian border, but they don't support a border when it's an American border. Now, these lessons are really interesting because they expose the ideology of the left. The ideology of the left um, is the destruction of our current economic, social, and governmental institutions here in the United States. The third lesson is very telling. So you see all of these pictures and these videos on social media right now of citizens taking up arms in the Ukraine. Even the Ukrainian government actually is offering weapons to citizens to defend their nation against the Russians. And the left is all about this. You know, they're all about making, putting on a pedestal citizens who are fighting a war even though they're not trained soldiers. And yet here in the United States, the left is against the Second Amendment. They say the Second Amendment is dangerous, is racist, that the founders only meant muskets. They didn't mean semi-automatic weapons. Um, that the Second Amendment is, if you support the Second Amendment, they say essentially you support homicide. Well, the reason we have the Second Amendment here in the United States is because of situations like what's happening in Ukraine, where a superior or a nation with superior military force like Russia tries to violate the inherent rights of the Ukrainian people, and the Ukrainian people take up arms against that tyranny. That is why we have a Second Amendment here in the United States, in, in, in the event to protect ourselves against the event where our government would try to take up arms against us, where we face that tyranny. Now, of course, the left here in the United States also says, well, it's stupid to for citizens to think that they could defend themselves against the United States, the power, the firepower of the United States government, meaning the military, meaning F-15s and tanks and nuclear weapons. What could, what could a, a good old citizen from Kentucky and his shotgun do to defend, them, to defend against 
the firepower of the U.S. military. And Ukraine is a perfect example of this because Russia has superior firepower. Their military is stronger than individual citizens with their weapons. And yet, look at what citizens in Ukraine are doing, have been able to do. They've been able to hold Russia back thus far in a way that has surprised even Russia. So even if ultimately citizens with firearms can't entirely outgun tyrannical governments, they certainly can inflict damage. The left supports that in Ukraine and actively works to undermine that here in the United States. That's the third lesson. The fourth lesson is propaganda. You basically shouldn't believe anything that you see on social media about Ukraine or Russia right now. This is maybe the first war that's being fought on social media. Almost all of the stories have turned out to be fake news, whether that is the ghost of Kiev, which was this um, story about a fighter pilot in Ukraine that had taken out five Russian five Russian fighter jets. Turns out that's just propaganda, that's fake. Likewise, the story of Snake Island, we were told that 13 Ukrainian soldiers looked at a Russian warship who had told them to surrender and said, and, you know, answered the Russian warship by saying, F you Russian warship. And in response, the Russian warship had obliterated the 13 soldiers who, legend had it, were willing to give their lives for their nation. That turned out to be fake news too. A lot of what we're seeing is propaganda. It's propaganda from the Russian side, the Ukrainian side. It's called the fog of war, officially. And it's, it takes a beat. It takes a minute to fact check these stories when we see them, to fact check reports of what Russian soldiers are feeling, what Ukrainian soldiers are doing, how Russia has advanced or how Ukraine has held them from advancing. We don't know immediately whether these reports are true because propaganda is a fundamental part of waging war. Now, the point of all of this is lesson number four is that the left suddenly claims they care about propaganda. They suddenly claim they care about what is actually true and what is not true. And this is a different application than they have applied to the United States in the past five years when the mainstream media themselves have been the purveyor of propaganda on behalf of the Democrats. So that's lesson number four. Lesson, then the first four lessons, uh, the takeaway from these lessons is that the ideology of the radical left isn't an ideology of pragmatism. It isn't a practical ideology. They don't want to restrict AR-15s here in our country because of the practical application of this, because they actually believe that this would save lives. They're doing it because they want to undermine the institutions, the social, cultural, and government institutions that make our nation what it is. And these are the ways that they do it. They, they tell us that patriotism is evil. They don't want us to have any pride in our country. They want us to be embarrassed of our country. They want to delegitimize the United States. They don't want us to have any national sovereignty. They don't want us to defend our borders because how can you be a nation if you don't have a border? You can't. You cannot be a nation if you don't have a border. They don't want an armed citizenry. They want to disarm us because they know that an armed citizenry, when pushed to a certain point, will push back on tyrannical regimes who are trying to you know, overtake them. They don't want an armed citizenry. And propaganda, they only care about when it suits them, when it gets them ratings. Otherwise, they are the purveyors of propaganda. So the, five, the, the four first lessons that we can take from Ukraine is that the radical left here in our country, it's very obvious what, what their ultimate goal is. Their ultimate goal is to undermine the United States, the United States of America. Now, the fifth, the fifth lesson is weak leadership. The ramifications, the ripple effect of a weak U.S. Pres president. 
Biden being a weak U.S. president who I mentioned before actively lobbied Democratic senators to filibuster sanctions on Nord Stream 2, which would have stopped Putin. Contrast that with the Trump presidency for a minute. Now, Trump actually increased NATO spending, right? He threatened to abolish NATO or, you know, withdraw the United States from NATO as a way of forcing NATO members to actually pay their fair share because the United States prior to that was paying the lion's share here. Trump increased NATO spending. He actually gave weapons to Ukraine that Obama and Biden had stopped giving, had refused to give deadly weapons to Ukraine to defend themselves. Trump actually said directly to Putin, if you move against Ukraine while I'm president, I will hit Moscow. Putin knew that he meant it. Trump warned Germany of what would happen when Germany paid Russia billions of dollars for oil. And Trump warned them about doing that and then asking the U.S. to defend Germany from Russia. There's a reason that Russia and Putin are invading Ukraine while Biden is president, because weak leadership allows this. It creates a vacuum, a vacuum where evil can take action, a vacuum where tyrants and imperialists, socialist dictators like Putin will take advantage of. They will exploit this to spread their evil around the world. That did not happen under President Trump. So the fifth lesson that we, the fifth takeaway from what's happening in Ukraine is what happens, the ripple effect. How many people will die because of a weak U.S. leader here? Now, the Republican Party has has an opportunity here to respond in a way that not just Republicans will hear, that it won't just resonate with conservatives, but will reach people across the aisle. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. First, I want to talk to you about Paint Your Life. Now that we can get out again and travel again and take vacations again, please join me in celebrating some of our favorite times by turning our new memories into art. This is one of my most fun advertisers. When I first heard about PaintYourLife.com, I thought, what a great idea for a gift for birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, all gift giving occasions. But I figured this must be expensive because of what it is. Not so, it's actually very affordable. So paintyourlife.com allows you to take a photograph of maybe your child, maybe your grandchild, your spouse, an anniversary or wedding, a child's sporting event, anything that's meaningful to you, a pet that you love. And a professional artist paints that photo into a painting. It's really fast. You can receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. I'm actually getting a new one right now and I'll show it to you soon. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Liz to 64,000. That's L-I-Z to 64,000. Liz to 64,000. Paintyourlife.com helps you celebrate the moments that matter the most. Uh, message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text Liz to 64,000. So Republicans actually have a chance, an opportunity to resonate with people outside of our party right now because Biden's 37% approval rating is abysmal. It means that even his own voters are unhappy with what he's doing. This is what the Republican response should be if they want to draw new people into the Republican Party. They should talk about energy independence, the importance of energy independence in two senses. One, we shouldn't be relying on foreign oil. We shouldn't be relying on Putin. That's dangerous. It's a national security risk. This is also a good opportunity to expose the fraud that is the green agenda, that wind and solar aren't actually environmentally friendly. Not at all. They're actually destructive to our environment. They are anti-green. The left just promotes them as green energy because it allows them to control energy. So the Republican response should talk about energy independence, 
the Republican response should talk about strong leadership and contrast this to how dangerous of a leader Biden has turned out to be. Republicans should also talk about freedom from COVID tyranny and make sure that the American people understand that the logical endpoint of the Democrats' tyranny over us in the name of COVID here in the United States, the logical end to that is the same as what happened in Canada, where Trudeau suspended people's rights, used the power of the government to freeze people's bank accounts, promised or threatened to track people down for months on end if they contributed to the freedom convoy. This is the logical end of what happened even here in the United States. And the Republicans should hammer that home, especially when we see Biden or the Biden administration or the congressional attending physician, sure, I'm sure it was his decision, lift the mask mandate for Biden's State of the Union one day before Biden needed it. A political move, not a scientific move. The Republican response should talk about the assault on parental rights in our nation, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's curriculum transparency, whether it's school choice, whether it's transgenderism, whether it's homeschooling, the assault on parental rights from the radical left is something that matters to parents on both sides of the aisle, and Republicans should speak to parents about that. We should also talk about, Republicans should also talk about government spending and how printing and spending using modern monetary theory, the way that the Biden administration has embraced, allows the left to fund their, their big pet projects in a way they wouldn't be able to do if congressional representatives had to debate the question, how do we pay for this before they pushed, pushed an agenda item? And then, of course, Republicans should talk about the lessons that we can learn and are learning and should learn from Ukraine and the war that Putin is waging against the Ukraine. And we should contrast the way the left treats the Ukrainians versus how the left treats us here at home. If Republicans do this in response to Biden's State of the Union, then people who voted for Biden in 2020 will be convinced to vote for the Republican in 2024. Again, um, follow along the State of the Union with me tonight, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Become a VIP. Use my special promo code SOTU, State of the Union, to get one month free on your annual subscription. It's going to be a train wreck. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have fun do it, doing it. And of course, I mean, I, for one, am also excited to hear Rashida Tlaib is giving the progressive response to Biden's what, establishment version of the State of the Union, that's going to be a train wreck that we don't want to look away from. So again, join me, lizwheelershow.com slash locals tonight for the State of the Union. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.